0: This episode of All Things History with Amhiza was made in association with the University of Manitoba History Students Association. The University of Manitoba campuses are located on the original lands of the Anishinaabeg, Cree, oji Dakota, and Dene peoples and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. We respect the treaties that were made on these territories We acknowledge the harms and mistakes of the past, and we dedicate ourselves to move forward in partnership with Indigenous communities in a spirit of reconciliation and collaboration. Hello everyone, and welcome to the strike edition of All Things History with AMHISA in collaboration with students supporting AMFA, I am your co-host, Olivia McDonald-Major, and use the pronouns she, her. I am currently in my final year of a Bachelor of Arts Honours Degree in History with minors in Economics and Management. I am also the UMHISA President and a member of the group Student Supporting UMFA.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm your co-host, Hannah Balek. I use the pronouns she, her. I'm in my third year of a Bachelor of Arts History Honors Degree, and I am the UMHISA Events Chair. Today, we have uh, three other University of Manitoba students and members of Student Supporting UMFA joining us today to discuss the impacts of uh, UMFA's legal strike and the U of M administrations and government of Manitoba's austerity policies on post-secondary students.
0: Welcome all. Could you please introduce yourself to our listeners?
2: Hello, my name is Ferdinand Zarif. I use the pronouns he, him. I'm in my final year of a Bachelor of Arts, Advanced Degree in Economics and Society with a minor in Management. I'm also the President of ASBC and one of the members of Student Supporting UMFA.
3: Hello, my name is Mads Meyer-Parr. I am in my third year doing a Sociology degree. I use the pronouns they, them.
4: Hi there, my name is Jaden Walker, my pronouns are she, her, I'm in my second year at the School of Art and I'm the treasurer of sofa and a member of Student Supporting (laughs) All Alright
1: so before we get started on our discussion today, uh, we just wanted to give some context on the strike and previous strikes at the U of M for our listeners. So to begin, we'll start in 2016. So, in 2016, the Progressive Conservative government interfered with bargaining between UMFA and the University of Manitoba, which was deemed to be unlawful, and the government mandated wage restrictions, including a 0% freeze in the first year of uh, the UMFA contract. The U of M failed to disclose the reason for this interference, causing a 21-day strike In 2017, the government introduced the Public Services Sustainability Act, which capped salary increases in the public sector at a 0% pay increase in the first two years, a 0.75% pay increase in the third year of the contract, and a 1% pay increase in the fourth year of the contract. AMFA um, and the U of M did reach an agreement in 2017 following these guidelines. So a new four-year contract was created. This four-year contract is up this year, 2021. So new negotiations started in about August. And President Benaroche has admitted that the government is instructing him to mimic the Public Services Sustainability Act again. And have a similar uh, contract and wage increases. Um, and this has led to the current strike as AMFA uh, and the U of M have reached an impasse in their negotiations. So this is how we got here today.
0: And there's also some issues about academic freedoms that are currently going on that will be plausibly imposed by the university administration on faculties and departments, which AMFA is opposed to which is also part of the bargaining process as well.
1: Mm -hmm. So, could you guys tell us a little bit about what student supporting UMFA is, uh, its purpose, mission statement,
4: and kind of how it came to be? So, yeah, we're a grassroots, interdisciplinary student collective. We're basically just trying to help UMFA reach a fair deal.
2: And it was started by a second year Fine arts student named Travis <laughs> Um, The formation of SSAMFA is important because clearly we have seen a lack of leadership in our student union right now in university and it's sad that a second year student was forced to go at this length to form a movement because our union wasn't doing anything despite every student paying $237 into it. So that was one of the reasons why the formation of SSAMFA was very important so that students have an independent voice that is supporting UMFA rather than other priorities.
3: I think students supporting UMFA also has become a student resource in making uh, policy changes within the university already. We had a interaction with Senate that was passed through that students did not have to cross picket lines during the strike and protected their freedoms in that regard.
1: Yeah. Just from my perspective, kind of being a student, taking in all of SS UMFA's posts and everything, it's, it's a great resource, like you said, also for just educating students about the strike in general, because even me and myself didn't know a lot going into the strike about what might happen or even about past strikes, and a lot of students have reached out to me, ASBC, AMHISA, everyone trying to figure out what's going on and like your social media accounts just make wonderful graphics that are so informative and really allow students to kind of take control of the strike situation when they feel very out of control of their education.
0: And for those students who want to support and either donate food or come to the picket lines, it streamlines those supports.
2: And just to add to that, I feel SS resources have also been important for the fact that a lot of students are unaware of strike rights and what you can actually do because some of the mails that we've received from our faculties have been a bit disoriented and not really specific about what rights we do have when there have been multiple motions passed in Senate that does protect students, which wasn't clearly mentioned in any of the emails that was sent to. so that's another thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So that kind of leads us into the next question, um, what has been the most significant impact of the strike on your life and your
4: studies at the U of M? I guess it's been, for me personally, it's been like the stress and the confusion, but it's been a little bit more than that. It's been kind of scary to, to lose faith in my administration and in my my province. It's, yeah, like I've said this before, but it's embarrassing to me. And it makes me feel like like I shouldn't go to school here because I know that I'm excellent and I know that I deserve to have an excellent education. and. I just feel like with the government interference that's going on and like the lack of collective bargaining, this might not be the place for me. I don't know. I feel
2: the same way. Yeah, certainly. Like I agree with Jaden. Like as an international student in my final year it's it's a bothersome thing. Like we already have a lot of straight constraints going on in this university and in this province with education. And on top of that to have our courses be blocked because our school doesn't find it fair enough to pay our teachers the right wages. It's a bit confusing as a student because you're paying, we've had 7% tuition hike over the last two years and to see that happening and doing the math with 144 million, 133 million, 95 million surpluses, like if you look into 2019, it was 144 million, if I'm correct. And if you divide it by 31,000 students, that's 4,500, somewhere around $4,500 per student funds which could have gone to students or the department if it was divided up. None of these funds went anywhere and we have no answers for it. We just have statements which, which are very vague and do not explain the full picture to students. And you look into university, a lot of our students haven't even had campus life. When I think about campus life before the pandemic, when I think 2018-19, U of M hasn't had a good campus life in a long time. And which surprises me because we're supposed to be one of the best 15 universities in this country. And if this is the case, then something's clearly wrong with the administration, something's clearly wrong with the province, and it's definitely not the students and teachers fault, but yet here we are, our teachers are being forced to strike and our students are being forced to stand with them, not being forced to stand with them, but they, are, they have to support our teachers because we value the education. We as students know the amount, the extent to which our teachers and our faculty members go to help us in our studies and building a career in the future. And the fact that our province and our admin cannot respect that—it's—it's very—it's a shameful experience to go through.
3: Yeah, um, the strike for me has been disorienting because I've lost the very last piece of access to these experts that I am paying to access, mm-hmm. and I—I I do resent it from one aspect being that i can't access them anymore but i understand understand why (laughs) um uh and when it comes with that like lack of access everything's gone dark there's uncertainty i am navigating my studies on my own and i'm not handling first year material anymore i'm dealing Mm -hmm. with larger more complex sociological theory and that sometimes needs to be spoken to reading like marks in isolation can be pain (laughs) and suffering and
0: so I'm I'm reading
3: very dense text I'm not getting lectured on it so I can pull maybe what my prof might find valuable from it Um, and that sucks Um, but I I also would like to spin it the other way uh, in that I didn't used to be an active student within the university. I put my head down, I studied, I went to work, wasn't very interested in getting involved with everything, uh, but I had a special interest in labor studies. I've been taking labor studies classes. I intended to minor in it, but I might not since I'm going into single honors, ideally. Um, And now I am talking to people from the university every day. I'm seeing people from the university multiple times a week. Uh, by joining Student Supporting UMFA, I've had all this like expertise under my belt that I never got to really use before, and it's in the matter of a week. I've gone from somebody, like kind of like a, like a faceless person in a crowd, to, um, I'd say, like like an inner circle voice in Student Supporting UMFA, which, very drastic change.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how we've all kind of come together.
2: Yeah, the university might try to divide students with their politics, but it only made us stronger and got us together in the first place, so who's playing who now?
0: (laughs) Yeah, the solidarity factor, I think, is, is one of the big positives that has come out of the strike. If you could have positives that come out of a strike, I mean, I think everyone is suffering in their own ways. And it's definitely a very stressful time, and there's a lot of uncertainty about how long the strike is going to go and what the final effects are going to be. Everyone's studies and the costs and, and all these things, but the fact that people are pulling together and finding ways to laugh through things and, and you know, find little bits of joy, I think is a really positive effect.
2: Special mention to your From Strike memes.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. yes.
4: <laughs> Daily laughs. For real. I mean, we just didn't have all of this stuff back in 2016 that I can remember because it was just, you know, it was our first time. It was so new. It was so chaotic. Nobody had any idea what was going on. Nobody could even organize themselves to pass on information. I mean, like some people did for sure, but I don't know. I just, it feels a little bit different because we're all so much more experienced.
3: Very you know. much things had been had been uh, learned from from the last time even if I wasn't here then
0: <laughs> I think people over the last two years have gotten a lot more adept at social media as well I think it's been mm-hmm. sort of a forced realization of the the power of social media yeah, and so we've been able to utilize that in, in an organizational way
1: one thing as well that has kind of come out of the strike for me is a, a realization of what I've been or we've all been as students missing out on academically um, because of you know admins hold um, on UMFA and these different you know political aspects um, because uh, Olivia and I are history students obviously and um, uh, Eric Thompson the vice president of UMFA was speaking and I heard him say that um, if uh, they were able to address the the retention and recruitment issues um, with a, a better fair deal. Um, we would be able to have like uh, reading courses designed for individual students if um, if they so desired, and um, you know all of these different things. Like you said, having access to the professionals that we like pay to uh, to be taught by. So I'm it's something that I realized and also something that I hope comes out of this strike is the, the change to how we can access our professors
0: and it's not just for us and our mm-hmm. education I think it's for the education of those that are coming behind us mm-hmm. for our peers
2: not it it's like more importantly we all realize the need for a change of culture in the UofM. Um, it's been the same way for years now it's the same reasons the strikes are being taking place like there's a sense of repetition uh, like a loop which needs to be closed down now more than ever and this is the best time for us us as students to stand up and go against the norm because the norm hasn't done any good for us at all. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
1: So if you spoke specifically about International students is obviously you as ASBC president. The first international student that has been ASBC president, you are a representative for them. Um, what? How has the strike um, impacted international students specifically, or what has their reactions been to the strike?
2: So for international students, um, we need to go a bit back. So I remember in 2017 when I was looking up Winnipeg, there was this article that said, Winnipeg should be the best destination for international students coming in because of the low cost and the things that are available. Within, I came to Winnipeg in Jan 2018, right? And in eight months, our healthcare got taken away. Now that's very weird that one of the biggest universities, and we cannot afford healthcare for international students. And we have a lot of international students, whether or not the U of M likes to acknowledge the fact, but we do. And on top of that, they they do have a program called International College of Manitoba, which also brings in thousands of international students who are supposed to get into U of M. So basically, they're abusing us all in no way or the other. When this strike happened, already the pandemic has made it hard for international students with housing, with everything going up. Even though the government did try to help us out, it didn't work because no landlord is listening to rent freezes because it's not their job and now students are out of housing students have to go back home they can't work and if they can't work they can't pay their tuition fees and we have increasing tuition fees every year apparently which there's nothing being done and as a whole I think this strike just showed international students that our university our province they don't care about us we could just go to any other province and get better services better resources why stay in Winnipeg what has it done for us it has done nothing for us it has only used us, and only when there's campaign materials and promotion campaigns, only then does Manitoba remember that there is a need for EDI, there's a need for international voices. Only when there's an AMSU election campaign is UMSU featuring international students. But then other than that, there are no international students there. There are nobody there. Where are we? Like, I do not see why am I... The first international student why can't there be other international students why did i why did it have to be me stepping up but i'm glad that i it had to be me because it had to start from somewhere and now more than ever i feel like international voices should also get the same respect because we are students of this university we do pay the same taxes we pay four times the tuition fees with no health care eight ninety nine dollars for private health care every semester and I'm sorry, but I'm not seeing anything working out. Why are my teachers not teaching me anymore? Like, this isn't fair for us at all. It's like, oh, it's just embarrassing.
1: I, c- I couldn't even imagine just like the feeling the frustration of being like a domestic student compared to like somebody who's away from home, um, you know, it's just, I couldn't even imagine.
2: The fact that there are domestic and international students who have to sacrifice basic privileges now because of the increasing tuition fees, that's, that's messed up. We have a surplus and we cannot give any funds to the teachers or sorry, any funds to the students. Why do we have a 94 million surplus then? Why is it not being, why isn't it being spent on relief funds? for students, and it could have helped us out a lot. You don't need to pay $4,500, just pay a basic amount of support and that's enough. Students aren't asking for like the whole world, they're just asking for a little bit. It's not rocket science.
4: Yeah, I think that's a really good point because admin always says that they're not spending the funds because they have to save it because something might come up, an emergency might happen. But then an emergency happens and they're not spending the money.
2: And it also goes to show if our admin really did care about students and, like, the fact that they like to say it's a respectful working environment and a respectful learning environment, if it was really, if this was really our scenario, why are we having discussions about this now? Why isn't this our reality? Because clearly it's not, and clearly there's a conflict of interest with what they're saying and what they're doing.
1: We've been talking about um, the U of M's surplus and kind of how, um, the approach they've taken to bargaining with UMFA. So what do you think of the U of M's uh, current public relations strategy aimed towards uh, students and the media? Because that has played a big factor in how students are influenced to perceive professors and how the, the admin itself wants to be perceived.
2: First of all, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment to a global audience that people are seeing this. I have friends from around the world who are texting me about the strike. And when they see the memes that we're sharing, when they see the posts that we're sharing, it concerns them too, because this place is supposed to be a hub for students to come through for education. And if education is the one thing that everyone's neglecting, it's a, it's a big issue. Let's talk about the public relations strategy. Right now on in Instagram and in Facebook, wherever you go, your friends been posting one post after the other one post after the other and they're all misinformed they all have patronizing statements the math is horrible it's like what did we do to deserve this i all of us clearly pay a lot of money what did we do to deserve this kind of mathematics and like that they cannot explain a basic wage increase structure and that every time you ask someone from UFM, the representatives are giving different answers by each person, so it has to be one uniformed answer. With each person giving us different answers, it goes to show UFM doesn't even know what their public strategy are because they're all representatives of UFM. The admin has no clue, and then when the students are come, if you look at the comment section in the post, you can see the outrage, and the UFM is doing nothing to address this. They're literally doing nothing. They're going for the next post, and then the students come back again, they're making the next post. It's a toxic cycle and they need to acknowledge it now or sooner than later because it's gonna turn into a mess for them. So
3: It's incredibly tone deaf. Uh, the emails that we got uh, weren't subtle at all in how they were trying to turn us against faculty. And that makes me worried that they are bargaining in bad faith and that they are thinly veiling their reputation with these Instagram posts with these emails to students by keeping any sort of responsiveness to a minimum and continuing to push a very what would seem homogeneous message but it's, as Fardine said, very tone-deaf, it's very not engaged and it's not listening to the outrage in their comment sections they're like if you had a social media account you you best be listening to what people are saying on there because that's a direct pipeline between yourself and your student body your faculty body and whoever else in the community whether that be manitoba or abroad
0: yeah i had family members calling me when the initial vote was taken and whether or not to set a deadline and then when the strike actually came down about the media posts that were being printed out with by the University and what was being put out by UMFA and not understanding the difference mm-hmm. and not understanding why there were disparities between the, the two groups and I had to explain what was going on because there was clear uh, not understanding that the public was not understanding and that the media was Largely taking the what was the university was telling them as at face value mm-hmm. um, I, I'm hoping that that is starting to change and that they're listening to the press releases that Amfa is putting out and what the students are telling them on the picket line But you have to take what the university admin is putting out in press releases with a massive grain of salt because it's it's clear misinformation.
1: And it's just so frustrating as well because think of first year students who have no idea what's going on and their only really source of information or who they would expect to trust with properly represented information would be from University Admin itself. But yet they or Umsu but uh, yet they um, are receiving misrepresented numbers and very vague information when AMPA is kind of saying something completely different. Uh, it's just so frustrating that the even through uh, these public relations strategy, the City of Manitoba admin is directly, negatively impacting their students who they're meant to represent and support.
2: Um, if I can add to that, the people in the public relations department of U of M, they're, full, they're full-time paid employees. This is the work of full-time paid employees. I have two directors of communication in ASBC who are unpaid and do a much better job any day of the week, any day of the year, than any of them. And these are paid people who are supposed to be specialists in PR relations.
1: Looking back to the original uh, post that we are kind of referencing, basically what happened was in the post that University stated that they gave UMFA a strong offer of a 9.5% increase, which was not accurately reflected um, with that number, and they have now edited it from the backlash, edited the original caption to say, this is how the numbers break down, and this is where we got 9.5 from, but why didn't they just do that in the first place? So it's like there's an intention there to misrepresent the numbers
3: like we know how instagram works so you can put your infographic and then you can have the breakdown in the description yeah. that's not that's not new it's not a new way to get information across on social media
0: they also teach labor relations and economics at this school so people know how numbers work <laughs>
4: <laughs> but not only did they post it on instagram or other social media but they sent it to the individual students email accounts which is especially shady when you're misrepresenting facts because UMFA does not have access to every individual student's email account to give them their perspective or their side of what's going on.
2: Also, the, as admins there's, they should be caring about the students and going back to the emails you're sending out emails to students where you're not even mentioning or you're not even feeling for the students. There's a The tone is very important and it's tone deaf and it clearly disregards our mental health as well if you think about it because we're going through the hardest time of our education right now as of this moment and the fact that the emails clearly say well if you want if you want to pick it you can if you don't want to pick it you have to finish your classes what does that mean talk about it talk about the senate motions talk about our rights Feel for us. Feel for the fact that what you did is causing us all this pain and all this trauma and everything that's going on right now. It's your fault, and we shouldn't be the one forcing you to talk about it. And that just rubs the wrong way for me.
3: I think also that, yes, not making yourself a body to communicate to students what exactly is within their rights is super not you're like it's, you're not supposed to be directly emailing students trying to get them fired up against their props you should be emailing your students letting them know exactly to what capacity they can function to in this strike otherwise it comes upon other students other faculty to desperately try to speak over you in making sure that the facts are coming out Because once misinformation is out there, it's really, really hard to talk over it.
1: How has students supporting UMFa um, with uh, your public relations strategy and social media campaigns? How have you been trying to combat the misinformation and also raise your voice to really
4: reach out to students when they need it most? Mostly just trying to get the facts out there in a timely manner and trying to kind of aggregate information from a whole bunch of like confusing sources into a tight little packet that's easy to digest so that people can easily kind of transfer that information amongst their peers. It wasn't like that in 2016.
2: I think it's also because last year was a wake-up call for a lot of students as well right to realize that if a strike is ever to happen we do need to get together and we need to organize it like clearly and our unions didn't do anything and that's why SSAMFA had to be the first ones first ones releasing a petition first ones releasing infographics about what's actually going on first ones to talk about how it, we came here and yeah students do not wait if you're a student and if you're actually about advocating, you do not wait. And that's one of the things about for strategy because it's full of people who are interested about the school, who are interested about their teachers, who are, in- who are interested about themselves and their like progression in school. And I think that you can see that in the content. You can see the intent. It, it goes a long way. So
1: a lot of, well, really, oh, this whole strike kind of balances on the uh, Public Services Sustainability Act. So what are your thoughts on the Government of Manitoba's current policy position concerning funding for post-secondary education in the province?
2: Honestly, I feel like the Government of Manitoba does not care about education in the province. It doesn't at all. Because they're taking away funding for everything, not just, I was talking about international healthcare, let's talk about all the bills that have come true, right? We can have, like, four other podcasts if we start talking about all the goals they <laughs> have done so far. And each, each time it comes up, students have to stand together and make sure that it's not going true. The fact is, all they care about is uh, allocating their funds elsewhere, probably to make condos that people cannot afford. Because to afford those condos, you need to have an education, you need to have a degree. Where When will we get this degree if our teachers are striking? And our government is the one leading to that. And the fact that they're interfering when it's not their place, at best the go- what the government should have done is stop U of M from not letting this happen. They're supposed to be the ones helping us. If they really cared about education in this province, the government's role wasn't to interfere. The government's role was to make sure that U of M pays them the fair increase. That's what I thought the government is supposed to do clearly. They do not care about post-secondary education because the OFM is now 14th out of 15. We're supposed to be a public school, if I'm correct. Where's our government? Then?
0: And also, I think that if the current government is worried about the economic future of this province, then what are we doing about education? Education leads to economic prospects, and your you know encourages future growth. And career advancement innovation and research and those things are not going to come into this province if we don't have a sustainable advanced university and if you defund a university and you have professors going elsewhere or are not coming here in the first place then there's no reason for this to be a- an economic hub and so we're coming out of COVID or hopefully coming out of COVID and if we want to have an economic revitalization in this province then we need to invest in education not cause further austerity policies.
2: I mean to add to your point if you look into postgraduate students one of the biggest problems in this province is that we cannot sustain specialized labor people go away to the other provinces why is that happening? Let me guess, because we do not have jobs available, because we do not focus on building the economy. We just want to make buildings. That's it. You have to put companies inside that building for people to actually make money off it. And that's where the core issue is, that this government seems to disregard education as a whole, and that makes me question this government's education by itself.
3: And by trying to make public services sustainable in the way that they are we are also losing expertise in our public sectors so where are we supposed to expect to draw in the best in like government corporations when they aren't paying you know attractive or competitive salaries to people to who will want to come to manitoba who will want to make winnipeg or other like um, towns here, their home. When there's there's nothing to sustain them, there's no no, no living wage being offered
0: to them. We, and we need to revitalize our healthcare system. Where are we going to get those healthcare practitioners? We're going to get them from educational facilities. We need new nurses. We need new doctors. We need physiotherapists, respiratory therapists, all of the above. And those come from educational facilities. Certainly,
3: any doctor I've like, doctor in training or person going through med school, doesn't want to be here. <laughs> they don't want to stay here because they're gonna make good money for the rigorous education they just went through. They're they're looking everywhere else, everywhere else but
2: here. It's a shame because uh, your firm has had a lot of bright minds who have come into this university got their education and just went out and it's, it shouldn't be this way it should have never been this way you'd think that the way we like to talk about being in the U15 you'd think that we are the ones trying to sustain students we're trying to give something for the students but the government isn't helping out right? and what will the university do then if the government itself has no interest in the university Do
1: you think the recent change leadership will create an opportunity to, uh, for change in this portfolio?
2: As of right now, no. Because she's busy in Brandon.
1: Uh, yeah. Do you want to discuss the uh, yesterday's event?
3: I was at the picket myself, actually. <laughs> yes, um, so was I. Um, yes, you were. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so we walked up to an empty office and not only could we not call her office uh they turned off the line at one point changed the voicemail and then when we started calling her like legislative office they were of zero help we've uh before then UMFA and student supporting UMFA have gone through proper channels to contact the new pc leader um And that has been met with nothing but radio silence. So when this appeal to Manitobans in Stephenson's campaign was to want to hear us, it's been quite literally radio silence. And
0: it's frustrating as an adult who votes as a constituent, uh, not specifically of Stephenson, I don't live in her writing, but... We were with constituents of her riding who are very frustrated with the inaction of the government as a whole that we would like to be listened to as voters.
2: It's been a few days since she got elected. She's been tagged in way too many Twitter posts, way too many Instagram posts. I myself made about 15 memes about her. So I'm confused like, Do you not have a social media team going for you or something? Because clearly you are active for so long and now that important things come up, you're clearly ignoring us, but you have the time to post photos in a coffee shop, go to Brandon University when you're supposed to be in Winnipeg dealing with the problems in Winnipeg right now. Then you're supposed to go to Brandon because Winnipeg is under fire right now. What are you doing? You're supposed to be the premier. You're supposed to be leading us. What the hell is happening here?
3: Yeah, coffee shops, when people are freezing their asses off at the pickets, you know, and people are bringing relief coffee, like, coffee's right there. <laughs>
2: exactly, like, if you want coffee, just ask us. We have gallons of coffee to distribute to you. We have no problem. You want donuts? We'll add yeah, donuts to lots it, too. Sit
3: lots just of sit
2: down with us and talk to us for 10 minutes. 10 minutes at least. That's all everyone's asking for. The fact that she's ignoring us straight up that goes to show like where her priorities are with education and what the values she's standing up for
1: it's also just so frustrating as well because it's not as if she's entirely new to being a very high-standing politician she's been a minister for a very long time and has been well aware of these issues facing the the university and other educational institutions so her her, it's an active choice not to to listen to hear students.
3: Uh, literally in that voicemail being changed, they go from, you know, like, we're not available to we're not taking in-person meetings real quick. You know, after 15 minutes after we started calling and bothering them, it is, in the most obvious sense, them ignoring us. You can't. Change your policy in fifteen minutes, and if I were to hear otherwise, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be surprised.
1: So, let's hear a little bit about what SSMFA is has plans for um, in the upcoming days. How can people uh, support? How can people join?
0: So in the in the upcoming days, we have a couple of teach-ins that are starting. Uh, we have they're starting this week over Zoom, and next week they will be in person. You can find out who is going to be doing the teachings. They were our professors from the, from uh, the school who um, are teaching on various subjects uh, associated with the strike, and you can uh, find out who is teaching and where um, through uh, SSMFA's uh, social media platforms on Twitter uh, and Instagram primarily. Yeah, which is uh, incredibly generous to
3: have our profs come forward and do these teach-ins when they are also picketing, also doing, you know, uh, labor action um, and dealing with the implications of this strike on them, so I think it's incredibly, incredibly generous of them that they've accepted, I believe, like a majority of our requests. They always seem very, very eager, so it makes me super ecstatic because I I haven't heard a no yet.
0: (laughs) I would like to put out a special thanks to all my history professors who have been very, very enthusiastic with all of the responses, so thank you.
1: I think these responses just go to show that um, professors like to teach and that's what they want to be doing Um, but so it wasn't their ideal option to be on strike and I uh, some students may feel that way that their profs are in a sense like betraying them because they're taking labor action but the profs Want to teach? That's all they want to do, and they just want to be able to have a, a fair, a fair wage going forward, so they can continue teaching at the University of Manitoba.
3: And if it is wasn't without student support, I've heard on the bus, like if if our students thought we were assholes, uh, I couldn't I couldn't keep striking. Uh-huh. So like verbatim that like, profs are looking to us for support they're looking to us to make sure like as the litmus test to what they should be doing. Profs care about their students and I think if students were in the case confused and angry I believe UMPA might feel compelled to walk away again and without like without student voices I certainly don't think they would have been as emboldened as they have been and
4: completely agree. That's kind of like why I personally made it my mission to talk directly to the students when sorry, I started this group because coming from twenty sixteen I kind of I realized that if if it's thirty thousand students and administration against UMFA, they absolutely do not stand a chance. Like the students are really the key players in this
0: yeah we are the largest stakeholders of this university we are the ones that we are that the university is geared towards There wouldn't be a university without the professors and instructors and librarians and archivists and the students we it's otherwise it's just a group of buildings
2: exactly also in a weird way like this has also given a chance for us to see that there are lots of students other than certain union members that are there for their for the community and it has given us a a very important insight about what really matters at the end of the day because if we're not, we're here for education and if we're not getting our education then all of this is pointless all of this is pointless and all we ask for is fair education and fair pay it's it's not too much it's never too much and the fact that we had to, our teachers had to go to this length to make sure that they get fair pay and that they still haven't received that, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that I have to talk about this in a podcast because it should have been done right away. It should have been, it's something that's a given. It's not something that should have been demanded.
1: I think this is a great way to end off. Um, so if, Students want to get involved in SS Obviously, follow their social media. We will put all of the links to their social media in the description of the podcast. We will also link uh, their website where there's a petition that you can sign to uh, stand in support of AMFA. And yeah, if you want to get involved, is there's a place to reach out on the website as well. I there's think there's
3: places to reach out on the website. Uh, we do. Occasionally have open meetings, Uh, so if you want to access us that way, uh, that's a great way to.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. All of us at this table support UMFA and we will continue supporting UMFA and hope that this strike ends as soon as possible with the best outcome for everyone. Thank you so much.